Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Beckler v. Commissioner of Internal Revenue, certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit, argued January 12, 2022, decided April 21, 2022. If you'd like to support me or the podcast, you can find a PayPal link in the show notes, or you can just get a hold of me, uh, details at the end. In 2015, the Internal Revenue Service notified Beckler PC, a North Dakota law firm, of a discrepancy in its tax filings. When Beckler did not respond, the IRS assessed an intentional disregard penalty and notified Beckler of its intent to levy Beckler's property to satisfy the penalty. See 26 U.S.C. sections 6330A and uh, 6721A2 and 6721E2A. Beckler requested and received a collection due process hearing before the IRS's Independent Office of Appeals, pursuant to Section 6330B, but the office sustained the proposed levy. Under Section 6330D1, Beckler had 30 days to petition the tax court for review. Beckler filed its petition one day late. The tax court dismissed the petition for lack of jurisdiction, and the Eighth Circuit affirmed agreeing that Section 6330 D1's 30-day filing deadline is jurisdictional and thus cannot be equitably told. The Supreme Court held the decision below is reversed and remanded, and uh, Justice Barrett delivered the opinion of the court. Section 6330 D1's 30-day time limit to file petition for review of a collection due process determination is a non-jurisdictional deadline subject to equitable tolling. Not all procedural requirements are jurisdictional. Many simply instruct parties to take certain procedural steps at certain specified times without conditioning a court's authority to hear the case on compliance with those steps. Um, See Henderson versus Shinseki. The distinction matters as jurisdictional requirements cannot be waived or forfeited, but must be raised by courts sua sponte and do not allow for equitable exceptions. Uh, See Sibelis versus Auburn Regional Medical Center. As such, procedural requirement is a procedural requirement is jurisdictional only if Congress clearly states that it is. Um, that's Arbaugh versus Y&H Corporation. This case, therefore, turns on whether Congress has clearly stated that Section 6330D1's deadline is jurisdictional. Section 6330D1 provides that a person may, within 30 days of a ter- determination, and the tax court shall have jurisdiction with respect to such matter, well, yeah provides that a person may, within 30 days of a determination under this section, petition the tax court for review of such determination. And the tax court shall have jurisdiction with respect to such matter. Whether this provision limits the tax court's jurisdiction to petitions filed within the 30-day time frame depends on the meaning of such matter. The phrase making the bounds of the tax court's jurisdiction Beckler contends that it refers only to the immediately preceding phrase, a petition to the tax court for review of such determination. 
making the filing deadline independent of the jurisdictional grant. The commissioner, by contrast, argues that such matter refers to the entire first clause of the sentence, sweeping in the deadline and granting jurisdiction only over petitions filed within that time, making the deadline jurisdictional. The text does not clearly mandate the jurisdictional reading. It is hard to see how it could, how it could, given that such matter lacks a clear antecedent. Moreover, Beckler's interpretation has a small edge under the last antecedent rule, which instructs that the court, the correct antecedent is usually the closest reasonable one. There are also other plausible ways to read such matter. For example, such matter might refer to such determination, or the preceding subsections list of matters that may be considered during the collection due process hearing, see section 6330C, but neither possibility ties the tax court's jurisdiction to the filing deadline, and it is difficult to make the case that the jurisdictional reading is clear where multiple plausible non-jurisdictional interpretations exist. Nothing else in the provision's text or structure advances the case for jurisdictional clarity. Finally, other tax provisions enacted around the same time as 6330D1 much more clearly link their jurisdictional grants to a filing deadline. See section 6404G1, 6015E1 cap A, uh, accentuating the lack of comparable clarity in section 6330D1. The commissioner's counterarguments fall short. In this context, it is not enough that his interpretation of the statute is plausible, or that some might even think it better than Beckler's. To satisfy the clear statement rule, the commissioner's interpretation must be clear, and it is not. A requirement does not become jurisdictional simply because it is placed in a section of a statute that also contains jurisdictional provisions. Rather than proximity, what is needed is a clear tie between the deadline and the jurisdictional grant. The commissioner also contends that a neighboring provision, section 6330E1, clarifies the jurisdictional effect of section 6330D1's filing deadline. Section 6330E1 plainly conditions the tax court's jurisdiction to grant an injunction to enforce the suspension of levy actions during collection due process hearings on a timely filing under Section 6330D1. But if anything, Section 6330E1's clear jurisdictional statement only highlights the lack of such clarity in Section 6330D1. Finally, the commissioner insists that Section 6330D1's filing deadline is jurisdictional because it was enacted at a time when Congress was aware of lower court cases that had held that an analogous tax provision, Section 6213A, is jurisdictional. Those lower court cases, however, almost all predate this court's effort to bring some discipline to the use of the term jurisdictional. That's quoting Henderson which is 562 U.S. at 435, non-jurisdictional limitations periods are presumptively subject to equitable tolling. Irwin versus Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, and, nothing, uh, and nothing rebuts the presumption here. 
Section 6330D1 does not expressly prohibit equitable tolling, directs its 30-day time limit to the taxpayer, not to the court, and appears in a section of the tax code that is particularly protective of taxpayers. See Auburn. The commissioner invokes United States versus uh, Brock Camp, uh, which held equitable tolling inapplicable to Section 6511's deadline for taxpayers to file refund claims. But that case is in a posit. Brook Camp's holding rested on several distinctive features of Section 6511 that were absent here. Unlike Section 6511's deadline, Section 6330D1's deadline is not written in emphatic form or with detailed and technical language, nor is it reiterated multiple times. And Section 6330D1 admits of a single exception as opposed to Section 6511's 6. See uh, Section 6330D2. If anything, these differences underscore the reasons why equitable tolling applies to Section 6330D1. Despite the commissioner's uh, protestations, the court is not convinced that allowing Section 6330D1 to be equitably told will appreciably add to the uncertainty already present in the process. Whether Beckler is entitled to equitable tolling on the facts of this case should be determined on remand. The decision is reversed and remanded, and Justice Barrett delivered the opinion of, of a unanimous court. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can get a hold of me at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com. You can find a PayPal link in the show notes. Um, Yeah, could use the help. Thanks.